Good evening, everyone. I talked for about a minute before I realized I wasn't actually live. <laughs> you got to push the button twice. So good evening. My apologies for my tardiness, but thank you for joining me for episode four of Burned Ambition. I called this episode, I'm going to be in this wheelchair forever. I am Burn Beauty 2018, and this is season two of Burned Ambition now, and I called it, it's called Layer Cake, and I use the term Layer Cake because I believe that life, um, all the experiences in life add up. They just stack on top of each other, and each one helps you overcome the next, and Burned Ambition is my state of mind since I've been burned. I've been very, very focused on nothing more than um, helping other burn survivors, you know, and, and starting nonprofits and just things that I wouldn't even have imagined I would be doing at this point. I hope y'all will tune in with me shortly. I was late. <laughs> So if people are tuning in, I would like to say um, that this week we saw Mr. Jay Leno, before I begin, um, get injured, get a burn injury, and I don't know the extent of it. Um, it was very triggering for me, so I haven't really followed it um, that closely, but I need to, you know, protect, like, my sanity. But it was very triggering, and I just want... Um, anyone associated with Mr. Leno to know that the burn community will welcome him and we can help him. And we're looking, we're, we're looking to do that. Um, the best thing you can do is reach out and listen to other people's stories of how they've overcome. Um, so I hope that's something we can do. That's something I wish I had known from the beginning. Um, I really didn't know about the internet and the support groups. And I was really very, very depressed. I was not the same person that I am now um, in the beginning. So Survivor Strong, Mr. Leno. Um, from this point forward, I will offer you a trigger warning. Um, because I'm going to briefly touch on, I'm going to finish talking about my time in the ICU step-down room this week, and then I'm going to talk about what it was like in the physical rehab, because a lot of you will need to do that, or are doing that right now, or a lot of your family members. Um, you know, I had to learn to walk and swallow and touch my hand to my head and roll over in bed, and basically I had to learn to do everything again. And sometimes those are things that we take for granted. Um, and last week, after I was given one ice chip, it really did give me an immeasurable amount of hope that things could be okay. And I would ask for those ice chips literally just day and night. I would ask strangers. I would ask nurses. My husband knew not to come into the room without ice chip. <laughs> you know, it was it was all day and all night, and it gave me joy. So as small a thing as it may be, you know, just know small things give us joy. 
But a few days later, the physical and occupational therapist started coming into my room. And um, I think they came every other day. I can't really recall. But what I do recall is that there were four or five of them, and I could always get one of them to scratch my back. <laughs> Itching is terrible for burn survivors, but they would always scratch my back. And I thought that these ladies were going to be in charge of my rehabilitation, but they weren't. They were actually um, there to assess my needs and assess, you know, what, how bad off, or I guess how good off I was, and what they recommended for me. Um, I was able to stand up with their assistance and hold on to a walker just for a few seconds. And I was able to sit up in a chair. Um, they made cast out of plaster for my elbows. My arms were bent like this. So they made casts that would hold my arms straight while I slept. And, um, you know, because otherwise I wasn't going to be able to have this range of motion right here. And I really loved these ladies at um, Grady Rehabilitation Center. Um, they were very kind and they were very compassionate. And, you know, at first uh, I didn't know they were assessing me. I thought they were there to, you know, put me back together um, until about three weeks later. Um, my social worker came in and she said that they were getting ready to send me to rehab. And what? Right? And, um, you know, this is my safe space kind of being a Grady. You know, they're the people that saved me. They're, pardon me, on my light. They're, they're the people I trust. So I say, okay, well, when are we leaving? And she says, tonight. What? So I'm terrified. And they arranged the transport for me. Um, and, you know, we looked up, my husband and I looked up the rehabilitation center and it said they had family rooms. So uh, we were hoping we'd be set up with a family room because he had been staying with me, you know, in my room at Grady Hospital for four months. I, I needed him there with me because I was afraid to go to sleep at night because of my tracheotomy. Um, I believed that I would suffocate in my sleep if I were to lay flat, you know, like you would in your bed. So I would keep my bed in sitting position at all times during the day, just sitting pretty much straight up. And at night I would relax back just a little bit. But when I fell asleep, I would literally slump over. Um, so the ambulance arrived and you know, I said goodbye to everyone at Grady, and that was really sad because I love those nurses and doctors and such. And it was about an hour and a half or two-hour trip with traffic. And um, you know what? It was a very different place that I was going to than the burn unit. It was um, a traumatic brain injury center. And I was the only burn survivor there, which was anxiety provoking enough, having come from a whole unit full of burn survivors. And then they carried me into a room that clearly wasn't set up for burn survivors and it clearly wasn't set up for guests. And it, it 
you know, became, it was quickly becoming clear that my husband wasn't going to stay there with me. So, you know, I say, oh no, your website says that, um, you know, you accommodate families here. And um, I said, I'm sorry, you can't stay here with you at night. And so my husband and I, we just looked at each other and, you know, I can say we were both anxious at the moment, but for different reasons. You know, I started to cry and tell them that I did not want to stay. You know, please send me somewhere else where my husband can be with me. And I, you know, I told him that I couldn't stay with them and if he couldn't stay with me. And um, I didn't have insurance when I got burned. I was waiting for insurance to take effect in January, and I got burned on December 17th. And so they told me that Grady Hospital had paid for 30 days for me to stay at this traumatic brain injury center and get my rehabilitation. Um, Because you see, Grady, it's not only a level one trauma center, but it is also a um, charity hospital, which is absolutely amazing. I want to do so much to help them earn money as I as I grow and, and get into that. But they're also a charity hospital and they offer you um, anyone, not just burn survivors, but anyone who needs to come there is offered up to 2.4 million um, in services if you're uninsured. And of course, while you're there, they will apply, like while I was in my coma, they applied for my Medicaid and Social Security disability. Um, I would later get approved for those benefits and they reimbursed Grady the entire 2.4 million. But I ran out of benefits by about May. I went to the hospital in December of 2018 and I ran out of the 2.4 million in early May. And, um, but I think it's really great the way it works because the, the cycle can continue and they can continue helping people without having to worry about funds. So at any rate, it was March when I was moving to rehab. Um, and, you know, it was, you know, it was just, I didn't want to leave Grady. You know, it's it's March 2019. I'm checking into this rehab center and they're making me lay flat, you know, which I continue to explain to them. I physically cannot do it, but they're not buying it. They're not believing that I cannot breathe because, you know, I've been told, you know, just breathe in your nose, you know, you'll be fine with this trach, but I'm just too afraid to do it. You know, and they're checking me all over head to toe for any wounds, checking my range of motion. It's very late at night. It's, it's just terrifying. And, um, you know, I want him to say that my husband can stay at least that one night. Instead, they continue saying that he can't. And my husband says, don't worry about it, baby. I'll get a hotel nearby because our house was about an hour and a half away from this place. It was close to Grady, but an hour and a half from this place. And I just thought it was the most terrible thing I'd ever heard, you know? I mean, he's gonna keep the boogeyman away. He's gonna listen to me cry in the middle of the night. So afraid of suffocating, you know? 
who's going to understand that I really am that afraid. But, you know, I, we've got to accept things. We've got to adapt. So once I accept, that's the way it is. They finish processing me. And for the first time in four months, I say goodbye to my husband as he leaves to go to the hotel. And my hands and arms literally don't work well enough for me to hold a phone, for him to call me. I have a phone, but, you know, he leaves and I just literally spend the rest of the night shaking. And the next morning, the physical therapist came in to meet me and they realized they have a different situation. I'm not a traumatic brain injury patient, which is what they're geared towards. They are, um, you know, I'm a burn survivor. And, you know, it was um, everyone that I'd met so far in the burn unit had um, been so kind. And, I didn't find that to be particularly true of the rehabilitation center. And maybe it's because it is a traumatic brain injury place and they probably don't really have to have much of a bedside manner. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I mean, cause I consider a traumatic brain injury that would be a stroke too. Right. It could be anything, but uh, you know, it was, it was bad. And I, I can see what you're saying that, yeah, the rehab unit is true. Yeah, when you have to wake up and go somewhere else, it's just so scary. You just think it's the end of the world. But, you know, that then the next morning I met my physical therapist, and it's not that she was I, – I didn't care for her, <laughs> just to be honest, and I like almost everybody. <laughs> and it's not that she was a stern person. Because I believe that physical therapists need to be very stern because it's very painful. It's very hard to get us to do what we need to do. Um, you know, everything hurts. So, but I felt that she was more mean spirited to a degree. And I hate to say that about anyone in healthcare because I am really big. My daughter's a nurse and I'm really big on the whole thing, but my daughter was there. You know, she, she came to see and she saw the situation and it was just, this is, I've never really talked about like um, how bad it was during, throughout rehab. Um, because I, you know, y'all know me, I try to focus on the positive, but it was really, really just not good. And, you know, she wanted me to stand using the walker and I physically could not. So she got off the therapy belt, you know, the big white belt, right? And she hooks it around my chest. And I don't know why she hooks it around my chest because you see all these grafts and they weren't healed at the time. Got all these grafts on my neck and chest and she hooks it right around my chest, right where this little dress is. And she that's just where she wanted to put it. I, I don't know why. And she was a large woman and I was a thin woman at the time. I'm not petite, but I was, you know, I haven't eaten in five months. And she literally just pulled me up by that belt. You're going to stand up then. Okay. But, you know, I, it felt like she was pulling me up against my will, but she wasn't. Um, I think it was just that I was dead weight. Hey, sis. And, but there was nothing I could do to help her or to stop her 
from getting me up. And once I was up, I stood shaking with my muscles weak and my hips, feeling like they were just accordion in on themselves. And I immediately wanted to sit back down. You know, I was scared that I was going to fall. Um, you know, I haven't stood up in, in months. But she says that I need to wait while the nurses bandage my bottom because I've got bed sores on my bottom. They're not bad. I think I talked about them last week. They're not terrible. But um, they need to, you know, bandage it. So, you know, I'm, I'm just sitting there. I can't really imagine how long it's going to take them to bandage my bottom. Right? I mean, how long do I have to stand here? How long can I do this? And she's holding me, and this thing is around my chest, you know, um, that is obviously so grafted and, and, and so painful. And she's got it tight, and she's just holding me up. She's literally just yanking me, holding me up. And I promise you, it's probably about five minutes. And um, it's probably about five minutes. And then I could sit back down again, but I couldn't do it by myself. You know, she said I could sit. And I was so thankful, but it wasn't something I could do. I had to wait for her to let me sit. And she did so. She put me in the chair. And, you know, I had, I had as I was standing, I had cried, I had, um, I had um, begged, I had pleaded, I just knew I was going to fall, and I didn't know what falling was going to look like for me, you know, I didn't know what that was going to be like, well, what was it going to mean when I fell, I just knew it was going to happen, you know, would they, would they try to catch me, can, can she hold me by this strap that is hurting my chest, and, you know, my mind is racing, and my body is screaming, and, you know, I'm holding on to that walker with white knuckles. But she did, like I said, she helped me sit down. And um, as I sat, I, you know, my, my husband wasn't there at the time. He would take the opportunity to make calls while I was having therapy. Because, you know, we have a business to run and he really hasn't been working the whole time that I've been in the hospital. Um, so he doesn't know what's happened. And I didn't really tell him about it when he arrived. Um, I'm not sure why, other than I just didn't want to complain. But I was crying a lot though, uh, when he got there and he asked me why. And I said, because I had my first really hard therapy session and it was scary and it hurt a lot. And what I really wanted to say was, I'm going to be in this wheelchair forever. You know, I was so discouraged at that moment. You know, I knew for sure that that feeling in my hip, you know, by the feeling in my hips, that I wasn't possibly ever going to find enough strength to hold my body upright again. That's what I thought. You know, they're going to they're not going to be able to teach me to walk. So I might as well get used to this wheelchair. And all I can really tell you is that my stay at this particular facility was not terribly great. 
Um, I don't think Grady sends people there anymore. And I think that I may have been the first to go there. I think they were new to Grady. But the mental abuse from this one therapist just continued. Um, and no one is ever going to be able to convince me that she was trying to help me. <laughs> Never. Um, yeah, and I don't want to turn this into just complaints, 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 but there may be places that you are in your journey that are not like the burn unit because the burn unit is a very special place. Whichever one you're at, it is a very special place. It's where you're going to feel you're most comfortable. It's where people are trained. It's where people are kind to you. Um, you know, it was just, it was learning to, I did learn to walk in about three weeks, but it was very traumatic. I, I have PTSD about that, just like I have PTSD about the burns. And that's another thing that is common to us is having PTSD that is associated with the treatment itself, just separate from the burns because it's so painful. Uh, no matter how it's done, it's going to be painful. And, you know, then I, for me, I was okay until I got to the place where they were just really ugly. You know, this therapist, she was a physical therapist, but didn't want me to have oxygen that the respiratory therapist had given me because it was on low and she didn't think I needed it. Well, you're not a respiratory therapist, right? So this, this kind of thing goes on and on for the whole three weeks. I do learn to walk, but at the end of the three weeks, I have a swallow test scheduled at Grady. Now, mind you, they have not taught me how to swallow at all, but I think I'm going to pass the swallow test and I'm going to it anyway. You know, I mean, I am going and um, nothing is going to stop me, nothing. Because my husband and I think I've got one more week left of the 30 days of rehab. So we think that if I can swallow, then I can go home. Now, he wants to go home really bad. Do I? No, I just really just want to go to crazy. I don't want to go home. I don't want to be here. I just want to be somewhere where I feel safe. Not that I don't feel safe with him, but he's not the nurses and the doctors. So um, the weekend before the swallow test, I got really sick there. And you know how on the weekends they don't really do much in the hospital. You know, the, the real, like the real doctors aren't there. And... Um, in my hair. The real doctors aren't there, just the stand-ins and they, or your real, they're real doctors, but your doctor is not there. And, um, and the nurses, I had a fever. I was sick. I was so sick that I was willing to lay down on my back and I wasn't worried about suffocating from my drake. So I was laying down. I was sick. The nurse there just gave me, um, Tylenol all weekend. And I got through it somehow. I just, I knew I felt really bad. But Monday morning came and they were getting me up and getting me dressed and ready for transport back to Grady for the swallow test. And um, I was having a very hard time. Very hard time. 
and uh, the ambulance that was coming to transport me, the driver and uh, other paramedic or EMT were there at the door. Well, the driver was at the door and he was watching me and the nurse. And I was telling the nurse that I felt bad and my, and they were checking my vitals and my vitals weren't good. And he kept saying she shouldn't go anywhere. You know, she's sick. She shouldn't be going to, to this. And they were very insistent because they had a 30-day contract as well. You know, so they're like, okay, she's she's okay to go. They have the charge nurse come in and tell me to tell this gentleman that I'm okay. I'm ready to go. I'm, I feel fine. And so he says, okay. And he puts me on the stretcher. And he um, <laughs> puts me on the stretcher and they roll me out to the ambulance. And they're, before we, we haven't started driving yet, they're both in the back, they're checking my pulse ox and all my vitals. And they're bad. They're really, really bad. And um, we start driving. I said, well, I'm going to make it to my swallow test because if not, I was so worried. I want you to call them and tell them I'm not coming. I don't want to be a no-show. And, you know, like, I don't want to get in trouble and not be able to get a swallow test. And he said, don't worry about it. You know, um, he said, we're going, I'm taking you to the ER. And I didn't know why. But, you know, I got to the ER and, um, um, this was the one particular day that my husband had to have meet someone for business and he wasn't there that morning while this was going on. He had driven up to our house to meet someone near the house and then he was going to come meet me at Grady. So I was doing this all by myself and I got to the emergency room and um, I was septic, <laughs> but uh, they didn't know why at first. It turns out, I can tell you now, that it was because I had um, contracted a terrible scalp infection while I was at the rehab center. They used to clean with lemon-scented Lysol. I didn't think that was right in a medical facility. Now, I'm not a doctor, but I didn't think that was right. So I had a fungus on my scalp that um, most people... That, that normally doesn't um, inhabit or uh, colonize humans. And I had MRSA and I had strep on my scalp. And I was, I was, I was septic. Um, my husband, they, they, they had called my husband from the rehab and told him what was going on. I think they wanted him to stop it. They, they really wanted me to go to the swallow test and get out of there and complete this 30-day contract, right? Um, but, you know, my husband calls me. I did have my phone, and someone answered it for me. And, you know, and he's like, I'm on my way. And I was like, oh, you know. And he said, yeah. They, they let me know. And I was like, don't, you got to have your meeting. And he said, I canceled it. I'm on the way. And still didn't know what was wrong. I ended up on the 12th floor of Grady Hospital, not in the burn unit, but on the infectious disease floor. 
because they didn't know what was wrong. And again, it was uh, cladosporium, a fungus that doesn't get on people. And my son strapped and it was very itchy. I'd been itching for weeks. My scalp had been itching. And keep in mind, I couldn't get my hands to my head. So I didn't know. There was actual, like, nastiness on my scalp. I don't even want to. It's embarrassing to talk about because you feel like, how could it be that dirty? But they wash your hair with like a little cap that heats up. And um, I had taken some showers at the rehab, but they hadn't really like washed my hair. I, I, I don't I don't guess it would have made a difference if it didn't have like dandruff shampoo or antifungal shampoo. But it was bad. I was very, very sick. And it took another two weeks for me to survive this. Um, but my thought was that if it hadn't been for the watchful eye of this young man, and I don't know his name, I've never seen him again. But if it hadn't been for that young man, I don't think I'd be sitting here today. You know, not after being admitted back in there and you know, I've, I literally have mold on my head, uh, on the back of it, which is it's just, it's, it's just trigger warning. It's just terrible. It's triggering me. Um, none of it really mattered, though. The only thing that I could think after I realized that it was sepsis was that God hadn't just saved me once, but he had saved me twice because this young man didn't have to be there that day. This young man paying attention, you know, and it's, um, it was just amazing to me that he saved me. And if, if that young man is out there, if you know that young man or he's ever mentioned to me, I would love to tell him, thank you. Because again, God didn't just save me once, y'all. He saved me twice in six months. He spared my life. So next week, um, I'm going to take two weeks off. Um, next week is Thanksgiving. I am exceptionally tired. I have been so sick off and on with whatever the funk is that's going around. So, and I didn't say a bad word, funk, F-U-N-K. <laughs> so let's take off the week of the Wednesday before Thanksgiving and pick up with episode five um, on Wednesday, September 30th. I have one comment here I want to read and it is, um, that the nurse's assistant asked me how are you so okay and not sad I thought what you have been through and you keep talking about Jesus and I told him I know he had one that brought me through and just the nurses come on my hair and helping me show that they truly care I had nurses bring me clothes because I was three and a half hours away from home it is an experience. It really is. So, yeah, yes, they're the most caring people. But, you know, it was a shame for me to be at, at that rehab. It, it was scary and it was bad and it almost killed me. I didn't have to go back. Well, so we'll finish from there. Um, 
I didn't do tonight's show to complain about everything, but to tell you things are not always butterflies and and rainbows. But whatever you're going through, just remember that this too shall pass. I love you all. Good night. Happy Thanksgiving. I will see you all on Wednesday, November the 30th. I will be doing a live on Instagram with a friend. If you check my Instagram on Monday, the 21st at 7 p.m. And she's a personal trainer and she'll be interviewing me. So you can find me there. Um, I love you guys so much. Bye.